Welcome to Benin City Podcast, where we strive to bring you truth for your transformation. Grab your notepad and pen as we lean into this week's message. So we've looked very, what would you call it, externally is the word I'd use. So we've looked at what it means to love God, and we've also looked at what it means to love others. And so what I believe God wants us to look into today is what does that mean for us? So we've seen it in relation to him, in relation to others, but what does it mean for us? And so today we're going to look at self-love. And if, is self-love a concept from God? Let's begin. I'll just pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you for who you are. I pray, O oh Lord, that everything you desire to be made known will be made known. And I pray, O oh Father, that that which you want us to be transformed by, we will be transformed by. So I give you all the glory and the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. So we're looking at self-love. Uh, and I've titled the sermon, um, Trust Love. Can you hear me? Hello? Trust Love. Trust Love. That's the sermon title for today. Uh, and I want us to begin with a scripture that we're all very familiar with. Uh, if we could all go to Matthew chapter 22, verse 16. Matthew chapter 22, verse 16. It's a scripture that we're all very familiar with. It's Jesus highlighting to us the great commandment. And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. So what's been happening in Matthew chapter 22 is that uh, following on from this, before this, Jesus has been consistently questioned and tested by the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Now, these individuals are, the Pharisees are individuals that are devout followers of the law and the prophets. And the law and the prophets means the Mosaic law, um, the, old, uh, the Old Testament. So these are individuals that are devout followers of the, of the law. And Jesus also calls them individuals that are very self-focused. They're very self-focused and they desire to be seen in a certain way that is contradictory to who they are. The Sadducees are a religious group that do not believe in the resurrection. So they believe solely also in the written law. These are the two individuals um, that Jesus is talking to in this scripture. Yeah, so he says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment, and a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. So he's consistently being questioned and tested by these individuals. They've tested him about taxes uh, in, order to, uh, in order to try and get him in a situation where he will either denounce the sovereignty of God or he'll cause anger to the Romans. They've challenged him about the resurrection. They've challenged his authority. And these tests are to put Jesus in a position of struggle in the world that he's living in. 
yeah? And Jesus responds. Jesus, Jesus responds and he's consistently given them warning about the danger of not following him. He gives up two parables. He gives a parable of the two sons. And the two sons parable is about the, a son who first says no to his master but then follows afterwards. And then another son that says yes but doesn't actually follow. Then he gives a different parable and he talks about a vineyard that has been leased to tenants. The tenants kill all of the servants that the master sends. So the master reaches a point where he sends his own son and they still kill the son. So Jesus is responding to all these tests and these questions by provoking a, a, a questioning in their mind as to the danger of following, not following him. I hope this is making sense, yeah? So in this statement, when Jesus says this thing about love the Lord your God with all your mind, with all your heart, with all your soul, and love your neighbor as yourself, he's talking to Pharisees and Sadducees. Remember who they are. And the question that's been given to him is, teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? The question is, what is the great commandment in the law? The law. So he answers according to the question and he says, love the Lord, to love God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, love others as yourself. Your, 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 you. Your might, your strength, everything from you, from yourself. And he's talking to a people that are loving of themselves. He says, on these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. So according to the question you're asking me, what's the great commandment in the law is to love God with your might, your strength, your heart, love others as yourself. Now we've been looking at this thing of loving from self, loving from our own understanding and what that leads to. Is it possible to truly love God with all your might, your strength, your soul? And then following on from this, Jesus starts to spell out who those individuals are. And what he's spelling out is the fact that they're people who love themselves. So he makes it clear in this, this, this scripture that we have associated so much to love, he's making it clear to these individuals that if you want to love according to the law, do it with all your might, your soul, your strength. We go to John 13, 14. If we could go, go to John 13, 34. Sorry. John 13, 34. Keep in mind what he has just said regarding that question of the great commandment. And he says, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. Now who he's speaking to here in this new commandment is his disciples. Before this, before this actual statement from Jesus, he has washed the disciples' feet. I'm just doing this so that we have an understanding of where these two things come from. So Jesus has been washing the disciples' feet. 
He speaks to them about he being the way, the truth, and the life. He talks about the promise of the Spirit. And then he talks about the fact that he is divine. And that they are the branches. We are the branches. And he ke- in, in the vine, he says, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. And he says this key thing, abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. So now what Jesus does is he attaches love to himself. The difference between the first one and the second is that love is now from him. It's not from you. Again, if you want to do it according to the Lord, do it from you. But now he's saying my commandment from me is love from me. But I want us to notice that he's taken away the love of God and the love of self from those two different versions of the commandment. He's taken love of God away. And he's also taken the love of self. So all he leaves us with is love others as I have loved you. So he doesn't command us to love him. There's no commandment to love God. Why? Because what he's been talking about before this is he's been talking again in in relation to abiding in him. He's been talking about how there will be a promise of the Spirit who will dwell in you. He's talking about how, uh, when he talks about washing the disciples' feet, he says, truly I say to you, whoever receives the one I send receives me. And whoever receives me receives the one who sent me. So what he's been talking about, in order for him to now say there's a new commandment, which doesn't mean love me as a command, or love yourself as a command, simply love others, is because he has been consistently talking about abiding in him. So now, the requirement to love others, or the fact that we don't need to love him, is because he's trusting that in abiding in him, we're already in love. So there isn't a commandment to love because the reality of love is the fact that you believe in him. He's saying, I've been, abide in me. That's what he's been talking about. And so now he reaches the point where the new commandment is simply love others. Why? Because you've been abiding in me and I'm love. So there's no pressure on God for us to love him. By abiding in me, believing in me, having faith in me, you are abiding in love. And so now all it is is love others. There's not a need to do anything to God. There's no need to prove love to God. You don't need to prove your love to God. So what does this all mean for the self? What does this all mean for the self? So... I believe what God was saying is that the issue of self-love is that we haven't truly attached our being to him. If we look at the fact that he's been calling us to abide in him, that means the love of self and the love of God is in one, which is in him. He has attached himself to you. We have this uh, understanding that we are are unified with God. Yeah, and he says this in John 17, he says, 
the glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, even as we are, we are one. I in them and you in me. That they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them, even as you have loved me. One of the focuses of Jesus' ministry is that we are one with him. We are one with him. Nothing will separate yourself from him. He is in you. So the struggle to love ourselves is because we haven't quite believed that he is in us. And so our love is consistently being found elsewhere to try and prove that we are loved in ourselves. But if we truly abided in him in the beginning, there wouldn't be a need for something else to provide my love. So the point of conviction of who he is and what he's done for you isn't just to believe in relation to him. And what I mean by that is that when we understand who God has made us to be, there's so much focus that, yes, God sees me like this. And it's an objective view we have, which is that God sees me like this. So it's true because God sees me like this. And then we have it in relation to people that I need to be like this for the sake of people. He has made me like this for the sake of people. But what we don't always focus on is how does that make me see myself? The point of union and the new man wasn't just for the fact that, it wasn't just to cause, uh, to get rid of the separation from God. And yes, it was to enable us to be true witnesses of the commission. But it was also for you to be transformed in how you view yourself. That actually I can see myself the way he has called me to see myself. We've believed so much onto God and onto people that we've forgotten how to see it within ourselves. And so that's why for me I find it interesting that in your relationship with God you'll find that your hardest moments when you feel negative about yourself, it will always reflect on God. It will reflect on your prayer life. It will reflect on your reading of the word. It will reflect in you being able to even take time to spend with him. Why? Because he's attached himself to you. What you do to yourself will reflect in how you are with him. But we have so much confidence, or not confidence, but there's so much being able to see myself negatively. Not quite trusting that he has made me who I am. So we aren't as fierce with ourselves when it comes to this thing of love. The way we are with God and the way we are with people. When it's people, we can be very, very clear to see what that does to someone. And unto God, we can be very clear to see what that does to God. But with us, we don't have the same kind of fierceness to solve it within ourselves. And so everything deeply is external. That's one of the key issues with self-love is this thing of comparison. And this is why I believe comparison. Comparison, especially when it's done negatively, is when you're saying you want something from the other. Something about you isn't enough. And so I need it from the other. Right? And so when we're comparing... 
I think the reason why comparison is so easy because if we're going to look at it objectively outside of us, it's very easy to see it. What I mean by that is I can see what PN is doing, like what PN is doing, and say I want it for myself because it's easy to see it. But when it comes to us, it's hard because we are filled with our own understanding. We're filled with our own thoughts. It's hard for us to see ourselves the way I see someone outside of me. I don't know if that makes sense. What I mean by that is because it's before me, because I can see it in front of me, it's easy to take in what is good about it and wish it for myself. But when it's within me, it's incredibly hard because I can't see it the, the same way I see it outside. And so the difficulty is that we lack faith in that is in inside of us. I don't quite believe it because I don't quite see it. Even in our relationship with God, that's how it began. This is why he's attached himself to you. Because the same thing you do with him, you believe him even when sometimes you can't see it. But with ourselves, because we can't see it, we find it incredibly difficult to trust that it's in here. And that's why the sermon title is Trust Love. Because it's in you. He's in you. The difficulty of self-love is the fact that we haven't quite trusted that it's in us. And so there's a need to get it outside. And this isn't an easy thing. Uh, one thing that was said, which I think was so important, is that the burden of this life is love. And that is the work. That's the work. The work is love, even unto self. The furthest point that we're supposed to reach, I believe, with self-love is where we reach that point where we say, I don't need anything external. I have it all in him, with him. Self-love, sometimes we believe to be that we can say good things about ourselves. I can say that I am good. I am confident. Self-love is being content within yourself where there's nothing else needed because you said, no, I have God and that's it. And he will give me everything. And so today I believe God wants us to deal with this thing of self-love. To actually be able to see ourselves as he has seen us. And so I want us to just stand. If we could all just stand. I want us to just pray. If this is something that you feel within yourself, that sometimes it's hard to be easy on yourself. Sometimes it's hard to not have such strong judgment on yourself. Sometimes it's hard to not compare yourself to someone else. Sometimes it's hard to not see it outside and want it for self. That actually I haven't quite believed you, Lord, that you've made me who I am. I want us to just lift our voice and just start praying. Father, we thank you, we thank you, we thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord.
Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. That, Father, you've attached yourself to me, O Lord. You live in me. That, Lord, you dwell in me, O Father. And that's my source of love for myself, O Lord, because I see it in you. It reflects on me, O Lord. I thank you, O Father, that, Lord, your union with me, O Father, was so that I can see myself as you desire. I pray in the name of Jesus that every single one of us, O Lord, let, O Father, our desires, O Father, that are completely external, O Lord, be shifted today, O Father. I pray that we can trust, O Father, what you've deposited in us. We can trust who you are in us. We can trust that you are enough, O Father. We can trust that, Lord, you are the way. We can trust, O Father, that we have everything in you, O Lord. I pray in the name of Jesus that every individual that has struggled, O Father, to be content with themselves, every individual that has struggled, O Father, to love themselves, O Father, every individual that has found it difficult, O Lord, to not attach, O Father, themselves elsewhere, O Lord. That have found it incredibly difficult, O Lord, to actually just see themselves as you desire, O Lord. We pray in the name of Jesus, O Father. Let your word, let your truth, O Father, be made known, O Lord. Let the trusting of who you are, O Father, let the trusting of who you are, O Father, let us trust who you are, O Lord. Let us trust who you are in us, O Father. I pray in the name of Jesus, O Father, that every thought, O Father, that seems to separate our reality from you, even when we don't know it, sometimes we can't even perceive that we're separating ourselves from you, O Lord. That if I can do it unto myself, I promise it will reflect onto God. Because He is with you, He is in you. He has said that you can't be separated from him. So that which you do unto yourself will reflect on how you see him. I pray, O oh Lord, that we deal with our issues of self, O oh Lord, when we haven't quite attached ourselves to you, O oh Lord. We pray in the name of Jesus, absolute renewal of the mind right now. We pray, O oh Father, that that faith, O oh Father, that is from you and you alone, that you've taught us, O oh Lord, that love is from you. Love is in you. Love is abiding in you, O oh Lord. We declare it now in the name of Jesus. Jesus' name.